Welcome to the Courage Coaching and Counseling Podcast with Savon Penn, licensed professional counselor here in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you're at in life, this podcast will inspire and encourage you to be more brave in life and take the next best step between where you are and where you want to be. Welcome to episode 71 of the podcast. My guest is returning, Summer Krause. She is a licensed professional counselor, a certified alcohol and drug counselor, a level three and certified clinical trauma professional who began using Seeking Safety in 2005 at a residential treatment center for youth and continues to use the model in her Portland, Oregon counseling practice. Summer is married with two children. She was inspired to enter the counseling field after volunteering as a chaplain in juvenile detention centers for many years. In partnership with Seeking Safety author Lisa Najovitz, Summer provides training and consultation in treatment for trauma and addiction. She's also co-authored the Seeking Safety uh, Christian Faith-Based Guide with Risa Hobson, and uh, I'll link uh, to her previous episode in the show notes. I hope you enjoy uh, this discussion about helping adolescents uh, with with addiction and, and trauma and mental health. All right, Summer. Good good morning. Good morning. Thank thank you for coming on the show. You're returning to the podcast. Yes, yeah, that's right. I'm l- looking forward to talking with you about your your latest book, your newest book. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Round two. Yes. So for listeners, can you share a, a little bit more if they haven't heard the first episode about you and the work that you do? Sure. Yeah. So I met you when we were at Western Seminary together in the counseling program. And I came into this work after having been a volunteer chaplain in juvenile detention centers in Portland and Seattle for about 10 years and was just struck by the overwhelming amount of trauma among that population, Mm. disproportionate to individuals that I was working with in different settings. And what I observed is that once the youth's difficulty coping had escalated to the degree that they were in trouble with the law, the focus became largely on their criminal acting out and the underlying trauma went largely unaddressed. I remember just listening to youth. And of course, in that role as a chaplain, I was, you know, just praying with kids and helping to address more of their spiritual needs. But I just saw kid after kid with just the most tragic, unbelievable stories of trauma. And so many of them had had a parent die or a parent incarcerated and so much loss. And so I thought, boy, you know, seeing young people who were struggling, but the focus was on their behavior. And so I thought, I want to go back to school to try to help address that trauma-related theme among youth who are involved in juvenile justice. And so that's how I ended up in the counseling program and met you and been a therapist for a couple decades now and love it. So I started out working in a residential program with youth, which is when I came into contact with the model we'll be talking about today, Seeking Safety. And currently I work as part of a group practice out of Portland. So I'm seeing clients individually and in groups, but 
my main gig these days is as a trainer. So I put on conferences and train people in a model for treating PTSD and substance abuse. So that's a little bit about me. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I have a hobby farm, a couple of kids, and life is good. Nice. Yeah. So the the in the last few years, trauma, small T, big T, it mm-hmm. it's lots of folks are are talking about it being trauma informed in education or in churches that yeah. that's a greater conversation but you've been working in trauma for uh, a few decades yeah yeah so can can you s- say a little bit about seeking safety sure and and, and the, PTSD yeah absolutely so seeking safety was a model that was first developed in the early 90s by a woman named Lisa Najibitz. And she's on the East Coast. She and I have worked together for a very long time, but have never actually met in person. We do all of our work by phone and by Zoom together. Mm. And, And she created this first model, which was designed specifically to treat the intersection between post traumatic stress disorder and substance abuse. Because what we see is among People who have PTSD, there's very high rates of substance abuse. And among people who abuse substances, there are very high rates of trauma and PTSD. And historically, these two things were treated very separately. You see your mental health provider about trauma and PTSD. You see a drug and alcohol counselor about addiction and substance abuse, and never the two shall meet. Mm -hmm. But what we know is there's a tremendous relationship between the two. And so her model was designed to really focus on treating both of these disorders together as part of integrated care. And it's unique in that this is a model which often when people think about doing trauma work, you know, trauma therapy, for example, many times people think about past focused models, which are asking you to dive into the details of the narrative of what you've been through. This is a model that's focused on the present, meaning that we are focusing on how does trauma impact you today? I like to think of it as leakage. You know, it leaks from the past into our present. And so this is a model that focuses on how to cope today. And it doesn't dive into the details of what happened, which opens the door for a broader range of people to be able to conduct the treatment you don't have to be a therapist in order to do it Mm, yeah so some forms of uh, trauma therapy require group and 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 also individual with the Mm -hmm. seeking safety model is it is it is it mainly it is it like a a support for individual therapy how how does that interact uh yeah good question actually it's done both ways So it can be done as a group and it can be done individually. And it's not one of those models that was really a group model, but adapted for individual or really an individual model adapted for group. From the start, it was designed to be used either way. Mm. And so it doesn't require that you have both, but, you know, generally we say the more the better. And we encourage people to reach out to multiple forms of support. Yeah. So the seeking safety model, it has different elements to it. Could you give an overview of the things that are kind of covered, different topics? 
Sure. Yeah. So it's made up of 25 different topics that can be done in any order and you don't have to do all of them. Hmm. And some examples would be things like safety, which is really focused on like safe coping skills, uh, taking good care of yourself, asking for help when you need it, healing from anger, getting others to support your recovery. So there's hmm. a variety of topics that make up seeking safety. Yes. And you've written uh, uh, a, a faith-based approach to, to, to seeking safety. Did that add certain topics or, or what was that like? Sure. Yeah. So Risa Hobson and I co-authored the Seeking Safety Christian Faith-Based Guide, which is a supplement to seeking safety. So this evidence-based treatment is completely secular. There's no spiritual aspect to the work, although, you know, consistent with Christian ideals. And, and so we felt like with the movement that you were describing towards having more trauma-informed churches, because we certainly know that many people who have experienced trauma or are struggling with addiction, they don't go call up the local therapist or go to rehab, they go to church and so we wanted to empower local churches to be able to have some resources to help people walk through the deep waters of rape and child abuse and domestic violence and community violence, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so we wrote the supplement, which it's not new topics. It's basically an additional element for 10 of the topics that applies Christian ideals, scripture, And also focuses on maybe experiences around like spiritual abuse or religious abuse that people have encountered. Many of the people that I serve, uh, not only were awful things done to them, but they were done to them in the name of God. And so we wanted to help address kind of some of that spiritual wound that often occurs. So yeah, so it's a supplement that could be used. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a clinician. So a lay person could have a group within churches that um, could use some of these tools for helping people heal from trauma and substance abuse, although it doesn't have to be substance abuse. It could be other types of unsafe behavior like gambling, for example, or sex addiction or self-injury, et cetera. Yeah. Just just the, the the topics that that you mentioned just seems so practical for a, a range of of uh, mental health struggles and and exploring how it affects our relationships with people like getting That's support right. and healthy boundaries and things like that um so the how's it how did you decide to write the the, the treatment for a- adolescents Yeah. Boy, this has been the, I remember when I was growing up, there was a Sesame Street song about this is the song that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friends. Uh, So if you may remember that song, but it's a looping song. And this book has been like the book that would never end. It's gone on for a very long time. It was always my intention from very early on when I started using Seeking Safety to um, create some version of an adolescent resource around using the model. And so that started with the first version of this book. Dr. Najibitz and I were working together on creating an adolescent version. And I was pregnant with my daughter when we started on that. 
and my daughter's in high school now. Oh <laughs> so it took a hot minute, but it finally it never ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never ended. Oh my goodness. So many twists and turns. It's what it ended up becoming was different than the original version of it. But, you know, really coming back to that work that I did as a chaplain and, and working specifically with youth involved with juvenile justice, like that's really my heart and my passion. And so very early on when I was working with these youth, all of them were in state custody. They had issues with mental health and substance abuse and criminal behavior. That's the context that I first started using Seeking Safety. And Seeking Safety has been used for many years with both adolescents and adults. But I found in working with adolescents, especially a difficult to serve population of adolescents, Mm -hmm. I had to develop my own bag of tricks in terms of how to really maximize the engagement of the youth and get them engaged in the process. And so that is you know, essentially what prompted me to reach out to Dr. Najibetz is to kind of share some of what I was doing and then to be able to offer consultation to organizations to provide trainings and then ultimately to create this toolkit for other adolescent providers with a career's worth of ideas of how to spice it up. Yes. Yeah. So I that that prompts like two questions for, for, for me. One is and, and this is kind of a general question is what's what's one way trauma plays out or, or looks in, in adolescence compared to adults? And and what are like what's one of the improvements that, that you made tweaks to to help adolescents more 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 specifically with the CPC curriculum? Sure. So one major difference between adolescents and adults is their perspective of actually both trauma and uh, substance abuse. So Mm. for the adults that I serve as a therapist, you know, if I ask them, what's been the price tag of trauma or addiction on your life, for example, Mm. often they're giving me like a laundry list of ways that these things have harmed them in terms of their relationships and finances and health and involvement with the legal system and on and on. Mm. And they tend to have a sense of a pretty big price tag to both of these um, issues. Mm. But for adolescents, if I ask them that same question, what's been the price tag of trauma or substances on your life? They don't tend to have that same perspective at all. They tend to view, you know, the experiences they've had just to be normal because it's all they've ever known. And so the trauma, they may not even see it as trauma. It's just, this is what's normal to my life. Mm -hmm. And same thing when it comes to the substances, many times adolescents don't meet criteria for a substance use disorder because they haven't started experiencing consequences related to their use and so they'll say you know there's no price tag it's just just fun (laughs) this is what I uh do with my friends and maybe pretty unmotivated to stop or cut down and don't view it to be harmful so that's a that's a major difference And for young people, often the trauma, you know, it just, it leaks out through their behavior. 
And so what we'll see is young people who begin to behave differently. And if they are turning to substances to cope with emotional pain, often it's the substance abuse that gets the attention of other adults in their life. The school, their parents, you know, society is concerned about their substance use, but the trauma is often an invisible wound that can go unaddressed. And they may not be willing to talk about what they've been through. They may not have the words to even describe that. Um, and so if anything gets addressed, it's much more likely to be the substance abuse. I see. Yeah. Yeah. The With Seeking Safety, do you use that curriculum for, for groups where folks are kind of mandated to be in the group? Or is it, or is it for folks that have like kind of bought in and, and signed up? and are yeah. seeking help. That's right. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of mandated clients. And so no, they don't have to come in voluntarily to benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a myth in the field that if people, you know, come in because the court says that they have to be there, or, you know, someone in their life is telling them that they have to be there, which with adolescents is often the case. Adolescents are almost never self-referred to substance abuse treatment. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the number one referral source by a long shot is juvenile justice. Mm -hmm. But if it's not the court, it's the school, it's foster care, it's grandma, somebody in the youth's life is saying they have to see you. So usually they come accompanied by drag marks in the carpet. This was not my idea of how I would like to spend Tuesday afternoons. And yet the myth is that if they didn't want to come, there's, you know, it's just going to be a waste of time. And research has shown that people who are mandated to treatment do just as well as people who come voluntarily. Mm. So with a model like this, if we're looking at youth who have issues around trauma and substance abuse, and they may be quite unmotivated to address those issues, mm -hmm. One selling point of a model like Seeking Safety is that we're not going to ask you to share the gory details of what you've been through. Mm. We're focused on the present here today. Great. Yeah. The With the the model, you, you were an early adopter. Yes. The uh, For folks that don't use the curriculum, how how does it benefit them to to have this structure or or to use it? I, uh, it's not a fully formed question. <laughs> I I'm just I'm just wondering, like, kind of like what what difference does it make to 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 kind of use it? Yeah, right. uh, if you're a so therapist with, or a group. Okay, leader. sure. So if you're a <clears> therapist <throat> and you're looking at maybe using something like seeking safety, the benefit is there's lots of great models out there for treating PTSD and trauma. There's lots of great models out there for treating addiction and substance abuse. This is a model that can help you treat both. And when you're working with people who have both issues, this is really designed from the start to focus on the intersection between those two issues. So I think that's a huge benefit. I came into the field wanting to work with people around trauma. I sort of discovered, you know, I fell into if I'm working with people around trauma, I'm working around addiction. So that became sort of an unexpected area of expertise and focus in my career has been around addiction. But so often the two things go together. So that would be one benefit. And also, 
you know, if you're thinking about clients who maybe have a real strong adverse reaction to the idea of doing some of that past focused work, going back, telling the story of what happened, right? Um, having several tools in your tool belt that you can pull from is um, a benefit so that if your client has a strong negative reaction to one model that you can pull from another. So where are you at summer with uh, getting the, the latest book out? Like, uh, yeah. like, like are, are you doing tra trainings uh, with it already yeah. or? I am. Yes. So, so it's called the Seeking Safety Adolescent Toolkit and it's out. So it came out at the start of March, 2023. And basically it is a supplement to Seeking Safety as well for all 25 topics. So within the Adolescent Toolkit, it's not a standalone model. You use it in conjunction with the original Seeking Safety Manual uh, by Lisa Najibitz. And then my book basically has a few different elements. One is that for every one of the topics, there's a list of activity options called the Spice and Up section in terms of how to incorporate games, art, activities into your sessions. Because... We know that adolescents have a higher need to be entertained when they are in treatment or therapy. So there's lots of ideas around, you know, making it more interactive and adding an element of fun, as well as additional worksheets or materials for some of those activities. I also have quotations that go along with every one of the topics, the original Seeking Safety Manual also has a quotation that goes along with each topic. So I just have an additional one that you can use that come from children's books, children's movies, comic strips. So they tend to be figures that adolescents are familiar with mm -hmm. that sort of highlight the heart of that topic. And those are on coloring sheets that people can, that you can color during their sessions because coloring is soothing. And, and then sort of brief handouts that take the materials from the original and then kind of boil them down into a nutshell. So like a half page of bullet points, if we were to quickly summarize the concepts from this topic is to give them just that kind of thumbnail version. Mm. So there's that. A lot of tips for implementing it with adolescents. It's full of examples specifically related to adolescents because youth tend to need more examples of mm -hmm. what does this stuff look like on the ground when you're using it. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's what I created. And yes, I'm doing trainings on it already. And it's been really fun to see people get started. We've got some school districts adopted and I'm um, having some more conversations about different youth organizations being able to use my model, which is just completely rewarding. Mm. Youth organizations like like nonprofits that work with adolescents or? Yeah, and mental health programs. There's a woman who's interested in doing a translation into um, Danish. So we'll see if that comes to fruition and maybe okay. doing a, a study. Uh, looking at having it translated into Spanish, um, school district, having school counselors being able to use it mm. within schools. But certainly it's something I hope that 
um, there will be more advancement. I mean, it's really kind of hot off the press, but in terms of using it within juvenile justice programs, detention centers, et cetera. Wow, that's really neat. The seeking safety, is that like kind of the, the like the most common or standard thing for folks that are in, in treatment? Like, um, In terms of like the approaches they may receive? Yeah. Oh, for adults. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's certainly a very popular model that's out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a handful of them, you know, that seem to be some of the go-tos and seeking safety is one that's, you know, again, it's been out for some decades and many programs have adopted actually has very high rates in terms of for people who are trained who then go on to actually adopt it as part of their practice. Good results. You know, there's been like 64 outcome studies done on the model with both adolescents and adults. And so it's been used for a very long time with lots of success. Of course, there's many other models that are commonly used as well. And, you know, again, lots of lots of good approaches that are out there. So I always want to tell people, you know, uh, not her to sell this as one that's superior to the others. But, you know, again, I think it's good to have a number of approaches that you can use with folks. Yeah. The, as you describe it, so it seems like something, the seeking safety and then the, the adolescent, do you call it a supplement or addition? It is a supplement. A supplement? Yeah, the adolescent yeah. toolkit. The, the toolkit. It seems like it would be helpful for like youth pastors or, or like church leaders. Is it appropriate as, as like a self-help resource? Like if someone mm-hmm. just wanted to work through it on their own? Or, 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 or uh, I don't know how you feel about this, like a parent that, that's, you know, working with a, 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 a child of theirs who's struggling? Yeah, that's a good question. So this one is primarily a treatment manual. So it would be facilitated by someone, mm-hmm. typically. I mean, it wasn't really written with self-help in mind. Not that people couldn't benefit, perhaps, if they you know, picked it up and were able to sort of read through the materials on their own. But, you know, both um, the toolkit as well as the original, it has a lot of guidance for the facilitator around doing it. Um, The handouts themselves in both books are really written in easy to understand ways for folks. And many times, like even if you're doing a group or you're working with people individually, there's far more material there than you would ever actually cover. So many times people do take the handouts with them and look through it in more detail on their own time. But yeah. I'd love to see youth pastors and churches to use more of these good models because they are the first stop for a lot of young people that, you know, when parents, especially Christian parents are concerned about their child's behavior and they see them, you know, they find substances in their room or they, you know, know that something bad has happened and they want their kids to get help. Of course, they want them to be healthy and heal is, you know, church is oftentimes the first stop for people. So to have some good resources for churches to be able to offer to help people heal, mm-hmm. I think would be wonderful and really meet a need that's in the community. Right. Yes. Yeah. So the I I, I want to kind of go back sh- shift a little bit. You described like just the kind of the the start of the idea of the book, yeah. and then now yes. your daughter's in high school. And, yes, and, that's right. And and so you you've written a couple 
couple books. The any any advice or any lessons learned for any listeners who are thinking about writing, and maybe even specifically therapists who are thinking about writing. Yeah, book or a toolkit. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess my number one piece of advice would be do it. It's really (laughs) rewarding. And I just, I learned so much myself in the process of creating the the toolkit. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So some things that were helpful to me. One is to not get too intimidated by the things that you don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. Find a team of people who have expertise in the areas that you don't. So for me, in terms of like the ideas, I have had years and years worth of post-it notes and documents where I collect quotes and ideas and I tried this and things that youth have told me and things that parents have told me. And, you know, I've been collecting for a very long time. So having enough material and ideas and vision, like that was never the problem. The problem was how can I format this in a way that is user friendly? How do I not recreate the wheel? How do I, you know, make it visually appealing and add these creative elements that I have a general idea in my mind, but I don't know how to do that on paper, right? And so find a team of people that do have those kinds of expertise that can help you. And for me, that really propelled me forward. Once I went to it was a writer's advance retreat. So I know you and I both know Mark Shelsky mm-hmm. and uh, Mark is a local pastor and author and he puts on these writer advance retreats. And it was just so helpful to go. And this one took place at a monastery. And so it was silent and didn't have our phones on. And we just wrote and we would check in in the morning. Okay, here's my plan for writing. And then we check in at the you know, lunch hour, we'd have lunch together and then check in about here's how it's going, my plan for the afternoon and check in in the evening. Mm -hmm. And then we also, so in addition to Mark, there was another author there that you could do some like consultation with. So having that uninterrupted time was gold because it's really hard to write at home in my experience when I know there's dishes in the sink or when my kids need to interrupt me every 20 minutes to ask something, you know, it kind of interrupts your flow. So having that chunk of uninterrupted time and then being able to go to people who have experience who are already published and like just kind of throw all these pieces that are dancing in my head that I'm not quite sure how to put them together, Mm. laying all of that out, just got some really solid guidance. And then And then from there, being able to have people who know how to create unique coloring sheets that would be appealing and Mm -hmm. to do the formatting and to help with all of the, you know, technical aspects of what writing a book requires. So find a team, get interrupted places and do it. That's my advice. Awesome. So that's how you did it. (laughs) The first thing is to do it, but then how do you do it? Um, That's it. That's great. So like the, the, the person who helped you with like the, the, the visual part of it. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think for format is, is that an editor or is that a different person? Like what's the name or title of that type of person? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) boy, you know what? I'm not sure what (laughs) the title would be because it's kind of the Jack of all trades, which is also Mark Shelsky. So Mark helped me to do the formatting and he was worth 
every penny of what I paid Mark to help me with the formatting. It was so worth it because, you know, there were some things I could do, but Mark would take something that I would be like, yeah, that's basically good enough. That looks like what I want. <laughs> and then he would take it and he would make it amazing and beautiful. And mm. if there were, you know, different things where, okay, well, I, I'm not sure how to, you know, do some of those little details in terms of formatting. He knew how to do all of that and was really generous in terms of not only doing it, but also teaching me how to do it so that we could create one template together. And then he gave me this sort of idiot proof guide to very technical things, but he would, you know, give me this list of instructions. You're going to right click, you're going to go to this and then this. And so he basically gave me the instructions of how to do that myself. And then anything that I couldn't figure out, he did. So he wasn't my editor. My best friend is an editor. So she did the editing of the words and Dr. Najibetz, who's published um, an unbelievable amount of articles and also books, she went through as well. So from all of the people that I had on my, my team, I learned so much from every single one of them. Mm. That, that that's amazing M mark he, he's so smart and, and yes. he's got so much experience uh, with the, the books that he's written and yeah uh, so that that's really neat the yeah so it, it's it's been qu quite a journey the as we wind things down for today summer i want to go back to to trauma you know you work with so many people you travel uh, all around the country and and work with so many therapists specifically like w with helping adolescents mm -hmm. what just what are some of your 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 hopes for for the for the book and and like the mm -hmm. impact that it'll make w with with families and, and young people yeah right you know i have a lot of hopes and ultimately you know my greatest hope is that it will help adolescents to heal that emotional wound we see so many young people today who just they're hurting you know i mean they're hurting on so many different levels mm -hmm. and so to have tools to really help them to heal and to help engage them in a way that we sort of can turn the tide away from coping with substances and excessive media use and risky sexual behaviors and self-harm right is to really help them heal in a way that some of these other things which become so destructive to them in terms of their development but also as those things carry on into adulthood they become so harmful right and that's something that really inspires me as a therapist in working with youth is to think of my adult clients because many times i'm not seeing people when they're 15 and they have a fairly fresh wound i see people after decades and they're coming to me in their 50s right. and now they've had all of the scar tissue and the fallout out over the decades of trauma being unaddressed and substance abuse as well and so my hope would be that young people can get the help early so that that destructive force doesn't carry on into adulthood and really, as a society, that we would begin to understand youth in new ways, that we're not too distracted by the behavior, right? The behavior is what you see. But if we just focus on, like, 
stop doing that bad behavior, right? Even if we just focus on like, don't use drugs. I was raised on commercials with eggs and frying pans. You know, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And I mean, that's great. But that was not a newsflash that drugs are bad for you, right? Mm -hmm. So most young people have heard drugs are bad for you. Don't do them, right? But the problem is that those substances are offering them relief from the pain. And I really believe that if we're going to be effective at curbing patterns around substance abuse and other unsafe behaviors, we have to get to the heart of the matter in terms of showing them another way Mm -hmm. to deal with emotional pain. And that's not just for therapists, right? That's for parents and caregivers as well to begin to listen to the message behind the behavior. Mm. For churches and youth pastors who have youth coming through the door who have behaviors that are (laughs) off-putting to begin to understand what is driving the behavior and to show them a different way. And ultimately, as adults, that means we have to model it. Because having them read it or teach it to them isn't going to be as effective as showing them how to cope safely. Yes. Yeah. The I've, whether it's from adult clients or or just uh, the teachers in my family and and their teacher friends, the understanding what's going on inside and not just getting put off by the behavior. That's so important. I have so many clients that have been just rejected and, Mm -hmm. and you know, what's what their first grade teacher told them or their third grade teacher told them when they acted out um, during recess or, and it just kind of set the course of how they feel about school and about themselves. And just even in the, the last few years during the pandemic and, and how difficult that was kids kids being written off yeah they haven't even begun their life and they're already being written off as bad or un unmanageable too much to deal with yeah i'm so glad that you you've developed this toolkit for 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 adolescents the yeah any last thoughts that you want to share with listeners summer sure well if any of this piques your interest so Um, I work with Treatment Innovations, which is the organization that belongs to Lisa Najibitz, who wrote Seeking Safety. And so if you are interested in attending trainings, so if you go to seekingsafety.org or treatment-innovations.org, that's where you can find my book, but also the opportunity for training. So I travel around and train different organizations, but we also have open webinars where people can just register individually to attend a training either on the seeking safety model or specifically on the adolescent toolkit so mm-hmm. would love to see people sign in if they are interested you don't have to be trained in either of these models in order to use it so the book is the only thing that you must have so um, if you get the seeking safety manual the first two chapters talk about how to conduct it Um, The first chapter of my book also talks about how to use the supplement with adolescents as well. And those trainings are are monthly online? Yeah. So every month online webinars on how to conduct seeking safety. And then again, my adolescent toolkit, we've had one open webinar so far on using the adolescent toolkit. I've, I've done it with some specific organizations, closed trainings as well. 
we have another one coming up on July 20th, specifically on the adolescent toolkit. That that's that's really neat. You're 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 you don't require certification to, to be able to use, right. use the, the the resource. Uh yes. That's great. Yeah. 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 Trying to improve app access to care ultimately. I mean, there's a lot of models that are really great, but you have to pay a lot and you have to jump through a lot of ho- hoops to use them. So these were designed to try to you know, get the help available to people with as putting as few barriers as possible. Great. So you, you've shared the, the treatment and innovations info and, and I'll put it in the um, the show notes. Um, are, are there other uh, ways that folks can kind of stay in touch with you or, or follow along? Do you have like a newsletter that you have? For- I don't have a newsletter. The Most of the work that I do these days is through treatment innovations. And so that's probably the best way you'll see the trainer bios there. People can sign up for consultation or or, or trainings through through the website. The email for the Adolescent Toolkit, my email is ssadolescenttoolkit at gmail.com. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, Summer. Thank, thank you again for, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Simon. Good to see you and have the conversation. Yes, have a great summer. Okay, thank you. <laughs> In parting, I wanted to remind you that September is National Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, September 10th, Sunday, is National Suicide Prevention Day. And if you ever come to the point uh, where you're you're struggling, you're in crisis, uh, maybe you are now, definitely encourage you to call the, the crisis line 988 to speak with a crisis counselor. You can also text the crisis text line by texting HOME to 741741 to connect with a volunteer crisis counselor. Their website is really helpful. Uh, You can use uh, texting, you can use WhatsApp to talk with a a crisis counselor whenever you, you need support, whenever you need help. I hope you guys have a great month. I'm going to be heading up to Seattle next week uh, to bring my daughter uh, up to college. She's going to go to Seattle Pacific University, and she's going to major in psychology. Um, The following week after that, I'm heading to Nashville for the uh, American Association of Christian Counselors uh, National Conference, annual conference. Really looking forward to that. Planning on going to lots of marriage counseling. Uh, trainings, uh, EFT, uh, emotionally focused therapy trainings, and really looking forward to those workshops and the keynotes, uh, keynote presentations. Until next time, guys, take care.